how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 392, where I sat down with Sarah Doza, the director of Fire of Love, The Seer and the Unseen, and The Last Season. In this interview, we talk about her new film, Fire of Love, which is read as intrepid scientists and lovers, Katya and Maurice Kraft, died in a volcanic explosion, doing the very thing that brought them together, unraveling the mysteries of volcanoes by capturing the most explosive imagery ever recorded. This ties into much of Sarah's other work, her connection to the world, her feeling for humanity, the questions that ignite her mind. We talk a lot about that. We also talk about causes to obsess over the archival edits of the difficulties there versus observations and how you can add a creative spin to archival footage the way they did with this piece. You can also find this interview on the Creative Screenwriting website. Actually, growing up, I always thought um, I would be either a professor of cultural anthropology or a nonfiction long form writer. Uh, but then I kind of fell in love with cinema um, as a college student. Um, before, when I was growing up, I always kind of thought of movies as entertainment. But mm -hmm. um, my university had this uh, student-run film series where in the span of probably about two weeks, I saw um, The Graduate, A Brother Where Out Thou, and um, Requiem for a Dream. And I was just like, what is this <laughs> thing? <laughs> just kind of exploded my mind with possibilities. Um, and around the same time, um, I was very active in activist groups on campus, um, namely kind of economic justice groups. And there was a documentary we watched about kind of the ravages of free trade in Jamaica. And um, neoliberal economics and, and free trade was something I was very passionate about interrogating. And there's something about this documentary that allowed uh, or that made space for people to share their own stories in a way that felt really powerful. It kind of took this like grandiose academic idea that had a very real impact on people's lives, but put it in human terms and in emotional colors, so to speak. And I thought, oh, wow, this is kind of the marriage of um, politics uh, as well as art in a way that really moved me. And, and from then on, I, I got really excited. And it's a very circuitous journey between anthropology and, and writing and filmmaking um, over the years. But I really feel like I, I now have my dream job. You kind of see it as, as all similar a little bit to that long form dream. I mean, it does feel kind of attached to that. I mean, and the films you just mentioned are very deep movies, even though they're kind of more fictional based for the most part. Um, do you kind of see that as all one thing? Do you see all the different jobs you have, producer, director, as kind of one thing as a storyteller? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, diff perhaps uh different types of jobs in service of the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's in service of creating meaningful stories. And um, there's, yeah, I, I think I just absolutely love working with teams. I, my team on Fire of Love was incredible. And all my editors, my producers, my executive producing team, our archival researchers, our my animator, near, I could just go on and on and on. And that's something too, working as a producer, I've always loved um, and, uh, yeah, but I, but I think the um, the ultimate goal of trying to create stories of meaning and impact um, uh, is, is something that 
I, I feel like it's dramatic to say it's akin to a religion for me, <laughs> but it almost feels like that. There's something that makes me feel deeply connected to uh, the world, to a feeling of humanity, um, to just explore the questions that just like ignite my mind. And I feel like storytelling uh, and specifically documentary filmmaking allows me to do that. And um, I think my brain is better suited towards directing than producing, but it, it took me a while to work my way up to directing. Um, I very much did the whole like PA to associate producer to production coordinator to producer cl climb. Um, it's very difficult to get my first films funded. Um, so uh, I learned a lot by producing and I'm very grateful for that experience, but I'm, I'm happy uh, now that I, I'm able to direct more and more. Do you sort of, so I was thinking back to like, I remember being in college and walking down the walkway and there might be like 50 causes. There's all these things going on. Um, it's not so much you're walking to like pick one, but I guess something like speaks to you. Do you see the stories you pursued as kind of like obsessions or what makes you choose one over the other one? That's a, those are really great questions. I, I think for me, my curiosity is um, sparked most um, when I encounter stories about the human relationship with non-human nature, mm. um, I'm just endlessly fascinated by the meaning and uh, kind of the symbolism that's rich within the natural world and, and how people uh, tell stories about nature. Um, I, I think for myself, uh, I feel a kind of awe and transcendence when I'm, you know, in, by the ocean or in a forest uh, or in a lava field. And that kind of wonderment, um, uh, I think really dovetails with kind of perhaps one of the, the highest goals of cinema. And so that's, for me, I, I wanna put people into that space. Um, I think that just in terms of the causes that, that you mentioned going down a hallway, I think that I, I feel very passionate about um, environmental issues, but also how they relate. It's not just environmental issues. There's, of course, the profound human dimension to to, uh, to environmental issues. Um, I, I really think about environmental justice a lot and how that dovetails with kind of, um, uh, well, I'm going to go, I'm trying to <laughs> catch myself <laughs> from going on a huge spiral about colonialism and capitalism and our climate crisis. But I, I think to try to summarize it, I, I feel like there's um, hundreds of years of violence have stemmed from um, the project of divorcing humans from nature. Um, right. And uh, the, the, the project of modernity um, has, uh, okay, I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> anyways, I, I think that there's a long history of storytelling about humans and nature as part of the same uh, kind of system rather than as a part. And, and I want to kind of add imagery and add further stories that do kind of an act of repair that show we're all interconnected, show how sentient and alive nature is, even when people might think it's dead, you know, like a rock might seem like an inert thing. Um, an open field might seem ripe for plunder or development, but I, I feel like showing the life force and, and all things in nature um, can yeah, work as an act of repair um, uh, in systems that have sought to divorce those things. Um, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you've kind of given us some like some big picture pebbles of maybe why you chose to pursue a story like this one. But tell me like what what stood out about what became Fire Love to you at first? I think at, at first just Katya and Maurice's imagery just knocked me over. They were so spectacular and unlike anything I have ever seen. Um, but once I learned about them as, as people, the fact that they were, you know, a couple in love with each other and with the earth, um, and that they had this kind of almost mythic 
way of, of living life. Um, I was just in awe of, of that, that kind of clarity of purpose um, mm. and how they kind of positioned love in, in their lives. Um, it made me want to learn a lot more about them. Uh, and yeah, once we learned about the footage that they had and learned even more about the lives that they led, it just seemed so exciting. Um, and it also seemed to resonate with kind of uh, yeah, these, these stories about the human relationship with non-human nature that ignite, you know, my curiosity most. Hmm. What are some of the difficulties of, obviously you're, you're somewhat limited with like archival footage type thing. Do you see that as like a different role as to other documentarians that are going out in the field and pursuing maybe more of a, a question mark than, than kind of a research role? How do you kind of see those two jobs? With archival filmmaking, well, specifically, um, I guess I could just talk about the craft archive because this archival filmmaking in general is so, so diverse and grandiose, but, but I do think that all archives have their limits um, and you have to make sense of the gaps or the holes in the record or the systemic erasures um, in the record um, to figure out how you're going to tell the story. And, and for us, we encountered tremendous limitations, uh, but each limitation we after some consternation, we, we realized actually were opportunities to create kind of um, a new grammar that could weave the images and, and the sounds together. Um, but it is, yeah, it's very different than an observational filmmaking process. Um, uh, most of my work has been in, in Verite documentary and I've gotten a chance to really co-create the projects with the people in the film and mm. got to ask some questions to say like, okay, you said this thing you know, a few years ago, what does that mean to you now? And we can never do that with Katya and Maurice. So there's all of these questions that remain unanswered um, and thus a kind of an unrequitedness to our whole process. And there's a sadness that comes with that, but perhaps there's also kind of something that, that hits on to the essence of romance. Like I, I think that unrequitedness kind of lays at the heart of romance. And ultimately this is a love story film. So, so maybe there's, there's um, perhaps a, a poetry there. You think so? Some of your like environmental uh, thoughts and some of those things are some of your films meant to answer questions, where some are meant to just shine a light on the questions. How do you think about big picture things like that? These are really good. I like these. I like your questions. <laughs> um, I I think for me, um, yeah, I don't necessarily set out with a set of questions that I want answered. I, I feel like perhaps there's like a process of asking questions that beget more questions mm -hmm. and can kind of relay a pathway um, that opens up um, an inquisitive sense. Um, like I, 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 this is kind of maybe a silly way of putting it, but I've always, I've always thought of films as like these little marbles, you know, these worlds that you could enter and dwell within. And the more kind of cohesive and finely rendered the world, um, kind of the, the more kind of you can feel suspended within it and understand and ask questions yourself. And so I guess that's kind of how I think about things is, is like um, creating a, um, yeah, really getting into the world building of each film and positing questions that aren't necessarily um, answered by us as the filmmaking team, but hopefully we'll plant questions in, in the minds of the audience and give them enough, um, enough information about this world that they could answer it themselves. You've got the archival footage there. You've mentioned an animator. You've got three writers on this. You've got, I think Miranda July is the one narrating it. You have all this creative input kind of going in there. Is that kind of your chance to put your own spin on things where you are limited by archival? Like, how do you think about threading that together and the bigger creative image and some of those ideas? 
Yeah, yeah, we wanted um, Katya and Maurice to be our guides through all mm -hmm. of our creative choices. Um, and that meant doing like very deep research to understand them as fully as we could. And, you know, we watched all of their footage. We read their nearly 20 books that they authored. We interviewed friends, loved ones, collaborators uh, as well. Um, and yet there's uh, a limitation, of course, to, uh, to what we know about them. And there's always the subjectivity of the filmmakers um, when interpreting this legacy. And so that's really where kind of, I, I felt like my role as director, as well as like the collaborative relationship of, of my, uh, fellow writers. Yeah, all, all four of us, uh, my two editors, one of my producers and I, we very collaboratively wrote it together. The edit was deeply collaborative. Um, the animation was super, like there's so many pieces and we needed a kind of um, an interpretive um, uh, prism through which we could really uh, understand this material. And that, yeah, that is kind of where um, uh, we have to kind of take ownership and acknowledge what our perspective really is. And for us as a team, we really decided, you know, um, it's a love story. And that mm -hmm. was kind of, we, we felt like it was given to us by Maurice, mm -hmm. specifically in um, the sentence in a book that he wrote. Um, he said, for me, Katya and Volcanoes, it is a love story. And we felt like Maurice is telling us like, hey, the story of my life is actually a love triangle with my wife and fellow volcanologist Katya and with volcanoes. And then when we went about our research and, and spoke to their friends and colleagues and family, that was very much reiterated. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That That is kind of um, a very um, authentic way to interpret their legacy. Um, and at the same time, I feel like you can make a hundred films out of their footage. Um, and I, I hope people do. Um, you know, I, I feel like they would all be companions and kind of telling the greater story of this, uh, you know, mythic couple. Is there like an external reason why um, this particular story came up next for you? Like, is there a reason why we want to tell this story now? Because I'm sure you've got a dozen you're looking at. Yeah, um, well, I very kind of serendipitously learned about Katya and Maurice when I was actually finishing the last film I directed. Um, uh, I, I, that was a film called The Seer and the Unseen that I actually did with this, Ed, Aaron, one of my editors, and Shane, one of my producers, uh, and Elijah, <clears throat> one of my um, associate producers. We were, uh, for that film, it was shot in Iceland, but we want, and it's a verite film, but we wanted to open it with archival imagery of erupting volcanoes in Iceland to kind of set the tone of this world that's like, was always in the making. And we thought volcanoes could do that really well, especially since Iceland is a volcanic island. Um, and once we started researching archival imagery of erupting volcanoes in Iceland, that's how we learned about Katya and Maurice. And it just instantly struck us as, you know, documentary gold. It's just something, a story we would want to explore. But um, we kind of put that on the back burner and start, once we finished Sierra and the Unseen, uh, we launched into our next project, which was going to be about these mysterious methane explosions in Northwest Siberia. Um, and we were excitedly getting underway with that project until the pandemic hit and mm. the company that was set to finance the film just collapsed uh, completely with the pandemic. And we also um, felt like it would be very unethical for us to um, uh, come into this place that was actually very traumatized um, and devastated by um, 
the Spanish flu in, in 1819. And so I'll, I'll just say there's a lot of reasons, um, aside from our own safety reasons, why we felt like we could not pursue that film. Um, and we thought if we had an archival project, that could be a way to continue to make work during the pandemic. And that's when we remembered, oh, there's this amazing French couple. They have hundreds of hours of footage. Let's see if we can get a hold of that. And, and wouldn't that be amazing to get to you know, explore volcanic landscapes while we're on lock, you know, in lockdown. Mm. And so one thing led to the next, but that that's really kind of why fire of love came about in that moment. And, and I really think some of the fear and uncertainty and the loss, um, you know, I experienced a lot of loss in my own life during COVID. And, and I think that those themes really kind of colored our approach um, mm. to interpreting the material as well. Right. If you were starting out kind of giving advice to someone starting today, now that you've done a few different things, would you tell them to maybe try archival, tell them something personal, do something low budget, do something short, go to YouTube? What might you say to somebody who wants to be a documentarian like yourself? I think I would just say, like, really go for what, um, well, yeah, what you're most passionate about, what ignites your curiosity most, like, what are the questions you can't not ask? Um, it's such hard work, like such grueling work. It's also so joyous, so fun, so revelatory, but it's so hard that if you're not absolutely kind of like in love or fixated, like you need, you need that fuel, you need that drive to carry you through. Um, but I'd also just really say like, find your people, you know, like yeah. I, my collaborators are everything to me. Um, I'm so inspired by them. I learned so much from them. Um, they're so supportive, uh, so collaborative. Um, and I think, unfortunately, it's such a sexist and discriminatory world. Um, I mean, we in, in general, it is, but I think it particularly is in any competitive field, especially like filmmaking. And, and I'm particularly indebted to my women mentors and my um, women collaborators who can really support each other to navigate some of the, the misogyny that we've all encountered. Um, so I think that that's just another piece of advice. That's like, yeah, go for the format and stories that drive you most and find your people who can help you accomplish it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the show. So many great lessons on screenwriting here. If you're looking for some more information, though, some more about the craft of writing for television, uh, we have a new course called Script Mastermind, where we have 21 of our proven experts telling you how to write for television, how to write a screenplay, how to break in, things like that. Uh, this includes shows of Gordon Levitt, Judd Apatow, also the writers of shows like Handmaid's Tale, Mosquito Coast, Hunters, Solar Opposites, Resident Alien, WandaVision, the list goes on and on. Check that out. Uh, you can get this all right now for $1 at scriptmastermind.com slash television. That is the television screenwriting masterclass. It is at scriptmastermind.com slash television. We'll see you next time with a new episode.